0: Um another opportunity to share with you, and uh, I'm really quite enjoying myself going through the exposition of the scripture. It's something that I haven't really done before, even when I was a pastor. I didn't quite do this, but somehow I feel it's very important uh, that I talk to you in this way because of my years of experience based not only on studying the Word and prayer, but also practical experience. And it's given me a different understanding of Scripture. I'm going to begin um, a new series, and uh, I'm into starting in Hebrews. And uh, I'm finding this extremely interesting, even for myself, to look at it in depth. And by the way, I have written uh, a number of books which are very comprehensive studies of Scripture, and I would recommend that you should actually get all of them. It'll give you a totally different understanding. I know that particularly one of the people who translates these messages for television is very moved and I believe you will be. Anyway, greetings. And um, so Hebrews and chapter one. Now, you have to understand this book in particular is probably different to other books in the Bible. This is the conclusion I've come to. And I've come to a conclusion that Paul wrote it for very strong reasons, and that in a sense those reasons make it important for today. You see, Paul was writing not to the church, but in this case he's actually writing to the Jewish people. And this is why I find Hebrews is quite intriguing, and we're going to have quite a lot of blessing as we go through it. You see, what Paul is doing in this, uh, in this first chapter, and you'll see it continues through, he's talking to Jewish people about who Jesus really is. Because after all, the Jewish people had so much religious tradition going back to the early days. And they, despite this, they virtually, totally rejected Jesus. Only a small number actually believed in him and followed him. So, just have a look. You see, in the first verse of the first chapter, Paul is saying, in the past, God spoke to us through our well, spoke to our forefathers. This is why it's absolutely clear that he's talking to the Jewish people. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son. So it's absolutely clear that Paul is dealing with the way that God reveals himself, or speaks to us. Um, I'm always conscious that God does speak. I know he speaks to me. He speaks very clearly. He speaks in different ways. He speaks through scripture. He speaks to me when we're in prayer. But there's no question God does speak. I remember one of my brothers saying to me at a time, referring to that scripture, and you will hear behind you a voice saying, this is the way walk in it. And my brother actually said at that time, some years ago, I've never heard that voice. And yet uh, my response is, I've always heard that voice. It's always, and talking to somebody on the telephone today who was commenting on something that happened 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And he uh, he was commenting on how it changed his life when he saw how I spoke, how I acted, and what I did, clearly, under instruction from the Lord himself, it was. And I just feel that my life has been lived under, uh, 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 under instruction, under direction, under guidance. So... This is how God revealed himself in the Old Testament. It was through mainly through the prophets, uh, obviously people that we would recognize, Moses and Elijah. But much more than that, you've got to really look at the Old Testament to see how God was revealing himself, speaking to people through uh, prophets, through words, through inspiration, and so on. But Then Paul says, now we have come to a totally different dispensation, because now in the last days, this is verse 2, he's spoken to us by his son. Now this is a complete contrast, and you have to understand the difference between the two dispensations. The old dispensation, which we call the Old Testament, the old period, where God was speaking to us, I would say, more indirectly, because speaking to us through prophets, through leaders. Now, in the New Testament era, the age in which we live, we're living in this era now, that God is speaking through his Son. So you have to realize that what God is saying here, and Paul is pointing out, Paul is pointing out very strongly that God actually speaks to us more strongly through his son than ever he could in the old days through the prophets. And this is why I find this is very, very intriguing, because it says in verse 2, he's spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Now, let's just stop at that for a moment. So, there are two things here. Unlike prophets, and as you will see later, angels, God has a son, and yet that son was not only revealed 2,000 years ago, because it says two things here. One, that the Son, Jesus Christ, is appointed heir, an inheritor of everything, of everything. But also that he assisted in making the universe, the worlds. We do know this, that God was not alone when he created. If you look back in Genesis chapter 1, you'll find out that the word God's in the plural and 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 it's always let us. It's not let me. It's let us, let us. It's in the plural. And you begin to see this that Jesus was present at creation. And in fact, the Bible says that in effect He was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. This leads us to know that before sin and disobedience came, God had made a way of escape. But now let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at this chapter. Here in verse 3, and by the way, I'm using the, I think it's the New International Version. Uh, I may change later on in the study, but uh, just at the moment, Yes, uh, I am. I'm using the the NIV because I think in one sense that um, just explains it a little bit more clearly. So verse 3. The Son, this is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. Hmm. And the exact representation of his being. So, Jesus, as the Son, was created in the same image as God. Now, this is quite interesting because right back in creation, you remember when God is speaking, He says, "Let us make man in our image." Now, this is, it intrigues me. It's very intriguing because um, uh, Jesus was made like the Father. Let's go on and see. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Then, turning from this, he says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And we're beginning to see something here, that the power behind Jesus is the power of his word. We'll come back to that. Then he moves on, and in the next verse he says, after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So, what happened to Jesus, whatever his position was, from the beginning in creation when he came and was born and lived on this earth in order to provide a way of salvation, two things, to provide provide a way of salvation and also to reveal God himself. So Uh, After he had done this, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So, he became elevated, and it's the only time we actually see this, that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, close to him. That's why scripture says absolutely clearly, Jesus is the intercessor interceding with the Father on our behalf. He's the mediator. Because he paid the price of sin, so he's been justified and given a new position in heaven. Do you get that? That Jesus, after his life and his death, when he goes back into heaven, Is achieving a higher place. Now this is important as you read on because he became, in verse 4, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. What is that name? Well, verse 5 tells us It says, to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, and today I have become your father? So despite the closeness of the relationship, the actual relationship between God is the father and Jesus, the son. And again, in the next verse, he's saying, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Then you come to verse 6, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world. In other words, when God allowed his son to be incarnated, to be born on the earth, He says, let all God's angels worship him. So the very fact that Jesus became the tangible, visible image of God on earth, the angels are now instructed to worship him. And in verse 7, in speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels' winds, his servants' flames of fire. So in others the angels have a power, a place, and a position in heaven. But verse 8 about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness, hated wickedness, Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions. So there are clear relationships in heaven. And in the, the Bible refers to the host of heaven. It refers to a few other things which we might deal with later. But it's simply saying that because Jesus was obedient and willing to come and to suffer and die to become the propitiation of our sin, God then exalted him, giving him a name above all other names that at his knee all nations, all men, all people will bow. So, It was the obedience, because that's the only thing I can see. It was the obedience of the Son being willing to come down and be born like us, live like us, share like us, yet totally without sin, so that He could be the one who could be the sinless sacrifice, the sinless Son of God, because of that obedience. Are you getting it? Then he's honored by the position that he's given. And you know, it's it's very interesting when you come back to the question of sin and the fact the Bible says all have sinned and uh, come short of the glory of God. God did not create sinners. God created Adam and Eve and if you really examine the scripture, they weren't created to die. They were created to live. But why did they die? They died because of disobedience. And the first sin was simply they listened to the temptation of the devil who questioned God and said, Has God said? And you know, this is the whole essence and i i i'm going to have to emphasize this the whole essence of god's authority god's power is that we obey him without questioning and yet today the church even the church is questioning god's word questioning god's authority and i'm going to have to deal with this in a message because it's so critical to realize that that was the first original sin was disobedience questioning whether god had said something well he he forbade them to eat of the tree of life he said you can eat of all the other trees don't eat of that tree and yet the devil says Has God said it? And the real problem in the church today, yes, in the church, is people are questioning, has God said? And I I, I can tell you many things. For example, God created man or woman and made them different for a purpose. And yet today they're trying to tell you that you can change gender. You can, I don't know that you can become just by saying a word you can change from uh, a woman to a man a man to a woman. it's a load of rubbish you can't god created man and woman in his image then he goes on in verse 10 and he says in the beginning o lord you laid the foundations of the earth right creation and the heavens are the work of your hands so what God is referring to is the part that Jesus played in creation in the beginning. It was God, Father, and God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens. Now, we're living in a time of space exploration and this new fantastic telescope that can look back um, millions of years in time, <laughs> but whatever you say about that, all I'm going to say at the moment is based on Hebrews: God created everything, everything that exists, wherever it is, stars, stars, moon, everything, and the earth, God created in the beginning, and Jesus was part of that creation. But then he goes on in verse 11, and I think this is important, because in verse 11 he says, all of these will perish. Now, <laughs> I was quite intrigued just recently seeing something in the paper of, of of a massive explosion. They say it's the biggest explosion ever recorded in in time and eternity. Apparently, Uh, star exploding. But the fact is this, that the whole of evidence that we have from astrology, from astronomy, from uh, whatever, all the evidence we have is of an aging, a degenerating I mean, it's even someone who's even trying to predict at what time the earth will be swallowed up by the sun. It, it's not as if the heavens and the heavenly bodies get younger. They're getting older. And in comparison, he says, poorly Paul is speaking very strongly here, he says, they will perish, but you, Jesus, will remain. They'll all wear out like a garment, and you'll roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. So when we're looking at everything around us, from our lives and from the tools that we have that wear out, the cars that break down and get scrapped and (laughs) whatever. This is the miracle that God says of Jesus, your years will never end. And, you know, this leads us on to our salvation, which I will deal with in the next message. But in verse 13, To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? So what he's saying is that whatever position that angels have, and I'm not going to go into detail of what the Bible says about angels in this message, except to say That from the moment of the obedience of Jesus, when he obeyed the Father and came down, was born in the form of a man and lived and suffered and died, in that his sinless life and death and miracle of the resurrection gave him a position above everybody else above every other God, above angels, above any creation. And so the most superior being next to God himself is Jesus, the Son. And I need to emphasize this to you as Christians, that the most supreme being next to God is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of the living God. Jesus, who came and was born and lived here physically on earth and became the visible image of God. And by his actions, he demonstrated God, his love, and so on. And we're going to deal with that. Um, And you, you, you must listen to the next chapter because I'm going to go into so much more depth. And, you know, I really do believe that this is part of my, an important part of my ministry right now, is to deal with the importance of Scripture and particularly the place that Jesus has in Scripture, in heaven, and in our lives. Now, this is absolutely critical, that Jesus is the very center around which all the authority and power and the glory of God comes. I mean, that's what he said, that he was made superior to the angels, but he is, in. going back to verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, is the exact representation of his being, and he sustains all things by the power of his word. That's Jesus. There's nobody else. There's nobody else. There's no other God. There's no other power. Jesus is supreme and is our mediator because he sits on the right hand of God. Oh, do you know, I'm enjoying this. And I want you particularly to listen to the next message, because we carry on from here. Thank you, and God bless you. Father, I just pray that you'll help people to understand more about the person of Jesus. Amen.
1: My God will supply, all your needs, according to his glorious riches, in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise! When you are committed to, and support the gospel, then stand on this promise, that when you give to the extension of the kingdom, God will supply all your need. Jesus called it, giving and receiving. This year God has given us wonderful opportunities, to preach the gospel in Armenia, Georgia, and Poland. And we continue to support Ukraine by distributing humanitarian and spiritual aid. For 12 months, our staff have helped the displaced, vulnerable, and injured, supplying food and medicines. To make a donation, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. to give you a free gift david hathaway's prophetic vision magazine is available free of charge all you need to do is ask for it this faith building resource will show you the path to revival in your life and ministry to receive this free magazine visit eurovision.org.uk slash magazine god has a plan and a purpose for you to fulfill through faith, you will see miracles. Heal the sick. And your prayers will be answered. In David Hathaway's two new books, A Faith Beyond, and, How Your Inheritance, you will discover that with God, all things are possible. Order these books today. Visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash shop.